uh, Skullboys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. I hope you've had a good week. Uh, on the weekends, I spent most of it away from home. Uh, it was good to get away for a little bit. I haven't been away for a little while, so we went to the nation's capital, went down to the ACT, hung out in Canberra on Friday. Saturday, ended up in Braidwood for a wedding. Uh, pretty cold <laughs> in Braidwood, but it was a sensational wedding. Congratulations to Nat and Aaron. It was a really, really good time. Never been to a Greek wedding before, but they are so much fun. As soon as I walked in there, Obviously, the venue, Mona Farm, it's a lovely place. And I look over to my left and I could see inside the reception. There in the corner was a whole six-piece band. And I was like, I am in good company tonight. We had a ball um, dancing, drinking wine. It was a good time. Today on the show, all the way from Ireland, Foy Vance. Now, he really doesn't need an introduction, but I will give him one. (laughs) Uh, Foy Vance, incredible songwriter. I think... You know, the cream of the crop. I truly believe that. He is a real wordsmith. His songs are amazing. His voice is incredible. But some of the things he's been able to do in his career so far, uh, just to give you a bit of a recap on his career, one of his biggest fans is Ed Sheeran. Now, Ed Sheeran used to go to the clubs long before Ed was, you know, famous. He used to go and check out Foy back in the day and, uh, you know, follow him around. And they've been friends ever since. Foy even went on tour with Ed back in 2013. And uh, he talks a little bit about that in this interview. And Foy has also co-written a few songs with Ed. He's done four songs with Ed, one of them, Galway Girl. And even though he's been on these incredible songs with Ed, you know, co-writing is still somewhat something new for Foy. Uh, It's something he picked up late in his career. I think the first songs that he started co-writing were with Ed. So we discussed co-writing. We discussed tour. We also talk about a lot of his albums. I love Foy's music. First and foremost, The Wild Swan, great album. The Joy of Nothing, which gets an honourable mention in this one because it's been 10 years since that album came out. We talk about that. Um, We also speak about how the death of his father back in the late 90s, inspired him to become a better songwriter. Uh, He sort of briefly touches on the fact that up until that horrible moment in his life, he might have been writing a few songs that were a little wishy-washy, I suppose, uh, weren't really hitting the mark for him. But once he was hit with this uh, terribly tragic uh, thing, his songwriting, it just started pouring out of him and uh, it's really inspiring to hear. We do talk about a lot of fun stuff as well. We talk about his trademark moustache. It's uh, it's quite something when you look at it and uh, we find out whether there's any product in it. And we also talk about the tour. Foy is coming down under. I missed him last time, but this time I've, uh, I have promised him I'm going to be there at this show in Sydney because uh, his music is phenomenal. If you don't have Foy Vance in your life at the moment, 
it's missing something big and you've got to get his music into your life. Trust me, it's, uh, it, it makes life better. This is my interview with singer-songwriter Foy Vance all the way from Ireland. Hello, Foy. How are you going? Not so bad, Sean. You sure? Yeah, I'm going all right. What's been happening today? Uh, God's honest truth. Just dropped the kids off at school, and the eldest boy was a bit upset because this. Uh, I only just got back last night and dropped them off, and then had to go straight back to school to kind of appease them. You know, that's yeah. that's my more rock and roll, Sean. Rock and roll. <laughs> that's good. What have you been doing a lot of uh, in the studio at the moment, or, or a lot of gigs? Not a lot of gigs, actually. Mostly studio work, either uh, writing or recording with others. Um, better writing on my own, but yeah, not too many gigs at all. I don't think any gigs, actually. I've, I've gone out later in the year, as, as you know. Yeah. So yeah, mostly studio. That's cool. I have heard you speak about, you like to write your own songs and obviously put your own material out there, but the co-writing thing, that's fairly new, isn't it? You met Ed Sheeran and something along those lines. Where did the co-writing start? Well, pretty much exactly that with Ed. Um, he had reached out to me uh, when he was doing the first record plus and sent me a couple of tracks. A-Team was one of them, I remember that. Wow. And asked me that I want to co-write and I just wasn't, I hadn't co-written at that point and I didn't know why, I just didn't understand why you would or why, like, why would you do that or how, how would that even happen or it was so far from my remit at that time. And he, so he sent me these songs and I remember getting back to him and going, look, these songs are great, man, but you don't need me. I mean, I, I don't even know what I would add. I, I wouldn't know what to say. I'm doing a different thing, but thanks for thinking of me type thing. And uh, a couple of years went past and he invited me out on tour with him. And I thought, when's it? At this point, I was like 38. And I was like, when am I ever going to get a chance to go out on tour with a bona fide pop star? I mean, I should <laughs> say yes to this. I should say yes, just for the crack alone. Yeah. Uh, so I went on that tour and then we were backstage somewhere somewhere in the UK. Um, he was, had this idea and I was kind of suggesting lyrics and suggesting melodies or whatever and going, oh, here, what if it was this? What if it was that? And then, yeah, that became a song. And, and he reached out and was like, oh, I need your publishers. I need your publishing details, you know, because of that song we wrote. And I was like, what song? <laughs> you didn't even know. No, he was like that touch and go song. And I was going, what? what? I don't know. I, I was going, so that, so we co-wrote, is that what that, that's what we did? You know, I just was thinking, I was hanging, you were writing a song and I was hanging out, shouting out the odd lyric here and there and you know what I mean? And the odd idea. So I, I kind of started with him and then I wrote a bit more with him. And I guess what I discovered through that was that I quite enjoy it. You know, I, I, it's almost like a break. It's almost like, um, like getting into someone else's vernacular for a minute mm. was a break from my own <laughs> incessant, <laughs> Is there ever a time you're writing a song for someone and halfway through you're like, ah, oh, I wish that was my song? Do you, <laughs> do you sort of, you know, you, you know what I mean? I'm trying to think if, if I can think of any specific songs. I know I've taken songs, that I, like songs that have been sitting in the background for me. What, what will happen with me a lot of the time is that there'll be like a, a verse or a verse and a chorus or even just a kind of an idea, a germ of an idea. And I would sit on that, you know, like a hen on an egg for as long as it takes to hatch. Um, but the odd time I've taken those ideas into a session and gone, you know what, let, let's let's work on this idea because I think this would really suit you. Or, and then 
we write it and nothing happens with it. And then I feel a bit devastated. Uh, I'm like, damn it. I should have just <laughs> kept that for myself. Why did I give that one away? With your own material, is it very close, closely guarded? You don't let too many people touch it kind of thing? Yeah, I don't co-write. Yeah, I don't co-write at all for my own thing. But that, uh, you know, and it's not a, it's not a, well, I, I don't, I, I like to think it's not a pride or snobby thing. It, it's just that, I don't know, that's mine. You know what I mean? That's my own personal joy. That's that's what I got into this for and that's what I do. That's my raison d'etre, so to speak. You know, when I write with other people, it's kind of, it's work. It's enjoyable, but it's work. You know what I mean? It's enjoyable work. It's it's a It's a job that I really enjoy. Whereas writing for myself is not, it's more than a job. It's, it's, it's my life. It's what I can't, it's what I need to do to get uh, my release valve. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to involve anyone else in that. Cause I kind of like, I like it that it, that it, it can be painstaking. Sometimes a song can come. I had a, a two songs the other week that I wasn't, I wasn't even expecting to write. I just sat there and two songs popped out the vast majority of the time. It, there's a long gestation period. Where does the inspiration come from most? Is it, you know, are you walking along the beach and you and you think of a song? Are you driving? Are you traveling somewhere? Does it just hit you at any time? Yeah, it's almost like, um, I don't know, I feel like writing songs, for me anyway, my own songs, it's kind of like, they're kind of like cats. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, uh if I kind of don't pay that much attention, you know, they'll, they'll come over and, you know, wrap ah, their tail up around my leg. Yeah, that's good. And if I focus too much on them, they're like, well, you know, I don't, you know, I just yeah. go off about their own business. So it's kind of like, it's important for me personally, anyway, to just focus on whatever the task at hand is, whether that's ripping out a kitchen or mopping a floor or fixing the motor or cleaning something, do that. And, uh, and then songs just come out of the blue, come and accost you, come tap you on the shoulder or whatever. I like that. I like uh, referencing it to cats. It makes full sense. I didn't know where you were going with it to start with, but but that makes that makes <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> how long you've been doing it? How long you've been writing songs for? Well, how long I've been trying to do it is very different between how long I've been doing it. Um, I mean, I've always been trying to write songs. I remember my dad and I sitting down. And trying to write this blues song when I was, about, I would have been six. We were still in Breezemount. So, yeah, I've got the oldest I could have been was six. And we were trying to write a song then. So, the idea of songwriting, the concept of making music up has always kind of been floating around with regards to trying to do it around 15, 16, 14, 15, 16, around that time. I started trying to join various bands, that kind yeah. of thing. But the God's honest truth, not to get too morose or whatever, but the God's honest truth is when the night my dad died in January 1999, mm. that's, uh, that's, that, that was the night I, I first wrote a song that was worth anything that felt completely connected to me. It felt like every song up to that point was a little bit like borrowed knowledge, you know what I mean? Like I was, I was sort of, I don't know, papering over the cracks a little bit. You know what I mean? I, I didn't really know what I was saying. I was just trying to say something that sounded smart or cool yeah. or deep. Or, and in that moment, uh, something changed in me and, and I started writing songs. And you wrote a lot from from then on, didn't you? As in that, not just like to, to now, I'm saying in that six months after that happened. Oh, it was brutal. It was brutal. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, recommend it. <laughs> but, you know, well, I guess I would. 
I guess I would. I was talking to someone about this the other day, and going, it's it is the weirdest thing to say out loud, but strangely, the, the passing of my father was like his death was one of the greatest gifts I've ever had. It's, it's kind of it sounds really weird to say, and needless to say, I would give everything back to have him back. I would swap it in a heartbeat. There'd be no, I wouldn't have mm-hmm. to think. But you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda, mighta, hada. But you know that kind of stuff isn't real. So nothing I can do about it. The truth is, it was a it was a gift. It was a, a very strange gift. But his death kind of just opened the doors, like kicked the kicked the gates open. Uh, yeah. So for the, for the first six months, it was any sense of writing a song that people would understand, or any sense of writing a song that would get me to some other level or maybe radio would like, or maybe people would like on a live setting or maybe anyone would like all that just disappeared, evaporated overnight and songs became something very, very different. What they are, they became what they are. Songs revealed themselves in that moment. I realized, Oh wow. I think the reason I wasn't able to write was because I wasn't chasing the truth. Right. I was chasing, I was chasing, a, I was chasing a facade. You know what I mean? I was like, Oh, I need a song that people can sing along to. I need a song that people can feel this way to. I need a song that people... It's like, no, you don't. You, what do you feel? Mm. You know what I mean? Any artist worth their salt, uh, you know, are, they're chasing their own truth. They're chasing their own kind of reality. And uh, I wasn't doing that up to that point. Did you find when tragedy strikes like that and you start writing about it and then you start singing it and releasing it, it helps? if you didn't have music at the time and you weren't writing songs, would do you think it would have been a lot harder for you, but you had this outlet to, to release? Yeah. I would have drank myself into the same hole he was in. Yeah. Honestly, like that's not even a, that's not even being facetious. That, that's, that's what I would have done. If I didn't have that, if I didn't have that pressure valve, which I've, you know, I've, I've learned to temper it a lot better since then, but it's the same valve. You know, no matter what happens, whether it's the breakup of one of my many marriages <laughs> or, or the death of somebody close or, the, you know, whatever, like no matter what goes on now, I've got a companion. I've got the best counselor in the world, bar none. Yeah. You know, bar none, always there, a constant comfort. Just write, write about it as true as you can. And it, it compartmentalizes it, it you know helps identify what it is and helps helps me anyway understand it a bit better. And mm-hmm. The vast majority of stuff I write will never see the light of day. It's for me. Are you writing a lot every day? Um, no, no, I'm not writing, certainly not full songs. Like the, the last time I wrote a couple of full songs was two weeks ago there when, when I wasn't expecting to. I just sat with my guitar. I had a day off in the sunshine and I got my guitar out just to mess around and out, out it popped. But yeah, there's always ideas. I'm always like sketching, if you like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not fastidious about or regimented in any way about like, okay, well, I sit down from 10 to 5, I'm writing. Like like Randy Newman or whatever, you know what I mean? It works for some. It, it really does work for some. That's a that's definitely a good way to do it if it, if it feels right. But just for me, it, it suits me to let it come naturally. Has the 10 years since that joy of nothing, did that come quick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I couldn't believe it when my manager was like because we just celebrated 15 years of hope like the yeah. year a year before or a year so before and he said yeah and, and next year's 10 years of joy of nothing I was like wait what 
Wait, what? Yeah. That can't be 10 years ago. That was like three years ago, surely. Uh, yeah, <laughs> man. Time flies, right? Time yeah. flies. Hey, tell us about where you're from. Bangor? Is that right? Yeah, Bangor. There's, Bangor, there's a hard G. Okay, Bangor. Yeah. Yeah, okay. if you say Bangor where I'm from, it means something completely different. <laughs> Uh, I know you've got you've you've written about it in, in a few songs. Yeah, what, what, what was it like? You know, that's where you grew up. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, primarily, primarily. Can you hear that squeaking in the background? Uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> what is it? That's my dog uh, chewing his toy. <laughs> Boy, my dog barks while I'm doing these. Yeah, he he'll start barking soon. <laughs> what sort of dog you got? Uh, Collie. Or a, a yeah, a cocker. Sorry, a oh. car. That's his boy. Look, who's that? Who's that? Hello. <laughs> Can't hear me. Obviously. No, no, no. I love dogs. Ah, uh, they're good for you, aren't they? I got a big boy. Good for the heart. Oh yeah, he's like fifty-five kilos. He's like a big uh, Saint Bernard cross poodle or something in him. A Saint Bernard <laughs> poodle? Is that yeah. a poor poodle. <laughs> That's what everyone oh, says. And everywhere I walk as well, they're like, who's walking who? Because he's, <laughs> just... <laughs> he's oh, so big. Dear. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so bang- Bangor. How, how yes, is Bangor. Um, you know, is it a big place? No. Uh, what, what, what's the population? It's probably about 60,000, something like that. Yep. And that's a, you know, that that's it. And, and it's a. Yeah, like the out, the outskirts of it as well. Yeah, small enough place right on the coast. You can see Scotland on a good day. Yeah, yeah. There's something about growing up by that. Growing up by the sea was was incredible. Actually, just even just to look out and go like, where does that go? It's wild looking at the sea. I I grew up by the ocean as well. Just looking out and just doesn't end. And it's it's mad. Yeah, yeah. There's something beautiful about it. I asked that question before because I I look out at the ocean and, I, and it's, it's it's inspiring. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, it's full of mystery, isn't it? I mean, we know more about the surface of the moon than we do about what's underneath yeah. the water. It's like, uh, you know, looking at your native home, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, wow, that, that we came from there once upon a time. Once upon a time, that's kind of somehow where we belong, in a sense. Yeah, Bangor's a cool, cool place, just out of the way. Kind of like a, a bit of a holiday town, it would be considered back home. Like, people would have, especially in Victorian times, but, you know, that... That lingered on throughout the years, but in Victorian times, Bangor was the it was the place. You know, you go down there, there'd be fun for. <laughs> Boy, leave that alone, you. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a cool place to come from. To be honest, and load of songwriters from there for whatever reason. Well, you know what? Maybe I don't know how much you want to invest in this, or how much I even I want to invest in this. But in the Abbey there in Bangor Abbey, which was a, a monastic site since the fifth century, they mm. had. Uh, Monks there that for 250 years had 24-7 worship. Wow. So every hour of every day for 250 years, oh there was God. singing going on. And they would just they would just rotate the monks. I certainly like to think at least that that has permeated the, the landscape there, you know. Mm. Are there lots of artists? Yeah. You know, when you're playing around those people, is your music considered different or? Well, my ego wants to say, of course I stand out, but in reality, probably <laughs> not. You know, it's pro- probably dime a dozen, just I worked harder, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, I know loads of songwriters from there. I mean, Two Door Cinema Club from there, Ian Archer from there, and of course, Snow Patrol uh, yeah. from there, to name a few. 
and also Loudon guitars, the guitar that I play, they were born in Bangor in 1974, same year I was. I don't know. It's got it's got an energy. It's got an, it's it's weird place, man, because it's got an energy that I I don't think has ever been tapped into properly. It's because it's got this rich kind of artistic undertones. I mean, you can really feel there's a, it's got a vibe about it, but but it's still a bit sort of shitty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's still a wee bit kind of yeah, grotty, like 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 a bad tooth and a smile. I'm on the I'm on the Central Coast, which is an hour north of Sydney, and I reckon the Central Coast is one of those places where people sort of give rib to. You know, ah, oh, you're from the Central Coast, you're not from Sydney, sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, you will be here in Sydney. You, you, you're coming out on tour. Last time you were here, you did quite well as well, right? Dude, I, I've never ceased to be amazed any time I go back to Australia. Um, I guess there just must be so many Irish people there that are, you know, get <laughs> get ho- homesick. You know, and any time someone from home comes back, they're like, right, let's go. We're going and we're bringing 50 mates. There's a lot of <laughs> Irish pubs in Sydney. Yeah, yeah, right. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I always do really well, um, and always have an absolute blast. I I I love going to Australia. It's kind of it's got the right mindset for yeah. a man like me. It sits me right down to the ground. Everything's no worries for the most part. I mean, I guess if you live there, you probably see you see different sides of it. But for someone coming in a blow in, it's just like wow, is everyone this chilled all the time? And I've I've yet to experience the contrary. Yeah, no, people are pretty chill over here. And probably sometimes a little too chill, you know. So I'm in my car. I'm like, get out of the way. Come on. <laughs> People are going slow, whatnot. Hey, I remember um, first time I listened to Upbeat Feel Good, that song in particular. And yeah. uh, I remember I, I probably wasn't having the best day and uh, and it came on. I'd already heard She Burns and a few others. And as soon as I heard that song, it, it changed my day. Oh, There's something about it. I mean, it's upbeat. It's feel good. And I love that song. Ever since that day when it was able to uh, to change my mood, I thought, wow, this guy can can really write. Tell us about that one. Where did the inspiration for that come from? I mean, I guess the reason it resonates with you is because it resonated with me and the writing of it. You know what I mean? It wasn't the – I didn't sit down and go, okay, I need a song that feels yeah. upbeat and feels good. You know what I mean? No. It was born out of, um, you know, new love. Uh, I'd, <laughs> the first marriage had gone awry, mm. and I'd met the, I'd met this other girl, and I, there was nothing much to think about. It was just it was like, wow, this is all right. I don't need to question anything here. I'm up beating the feeling good. This is this is great. And the song came out of that. You know that feeling where that, that feeling when you when you when you're in that mood with a girl, you think you know, no matter what it is you want to ask me, if you want to ask me, now's the time. Yeah, I'd say yes to anything. What do you want to? Go and live on the moon. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. That's a great explanation of that one. Um, well, how do you how do you get your moustache like that? You just twist it and leave it, and that's it. Is that is that the is that all you do, or is there, is there a product for the moustache? Yes, there's a product. I was looking to see if I had it handy, but I don't. <laughs> there's a. I got a mate of mine, Joss, runs a, a barbershop in Sheffield, like the coolest barbershop in the history of cool barbershops uh, called Savills. And they make, they, they've done like a deal with uh, pomade, the pomade, the hair stuff, the old, the old sort of grease the hair back thing yeah. that you'd see in the 50s in America. They've uh, done a deal with them and they make this, I think it's Copacetic, I think is how you pronounce it. Okay. Like a, I wish I had it so I could show you the, Yeah. 
but it's kind of like a like a almost like a like a jail sort of thing. Yeah, it's a real trademark for you now. You can't you you can't just trim that those corners like it's just that's you. Yeah, so I believe. Weirdly, you know what? The only reason I I always kind of thought when I was an older guy thought when uh, when I was a younger guy I think when I get old I'm definitely going to be one of those old men with a wee twiddly moustache. You know, and a, and a cravat. Speaking with a French accent. Can't speak French or anything. Just speak with a French accent. Why not? <laughs> uh, no, I always thought I'd have this tash. And quite honestly, I didn't know I could grow one until recording The Joy of Nothing. I'd been on, I think, a three, four-week tour and came right back and straight into the studio for two weeks. And I just literally had no time to shave. So by the end of that session, I had, I had a moustache. And we were all laughing about it because I looked like a right, uh, well, w- we would call it a steak, you know, but what would you guys call it? You would call it a bogan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a rock, like a rock bogan. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, Bruce. You, you do know, the accent well. Well, someone once said to me, if you think about it, the Australian accent just sounds like a drunk Irish person. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fair assumption. <laughs> yeah, I get out, right? <laughs> That's great. That is so good. Well, I'll be at your Sydney show. Can't wait for that. It's going to be awesome. Uh, it's also the 10-year anniversary of the moustache, so that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think you kick off tour in September. You have October off, and then like November, December, January, I think. Right you- through December. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, going, I'm going right through to January. I think it, it sort of uh, goes in earnest until February when I get home properly. Wow. Do you like tour? <laughs> I like I like being – I like the – being in in the room with people when everyone's there in the same place at the same time for the same reason, yeah. all of one accord, you know what I mean? And and that the, the, the playing on that energy, it's kind of like surfer, I guess, mm. being that I'm talking to an Australian from the <laughs> coast. But you know, like catching that wave that right time, like feeling 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 where the room's going and, and feeling where you're going in yourself and being there with a doing that in front of uh, a room full of people has got it's a very specific energy. Yeah. And I quite enjoy that, but it's the bit in between. I always say that, you know, I get paid to travel. The music's free because it's, uh, yeah. And, and the being away from home, like we started this interview, I was telling you about my, my boy. Mm. I dropped him at school. And as soon as I left, he was upset. So I had to go back in, you know, because yeah. going away and coming back, it's hard on it's hard on the kids and it's hard on any relationships as my you know, stockpile of past relationships is proving. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm glad it, you it, can still smile and laugh about that. I mean, there's a lot of people that wouldn't want to bring it up, but uh, you've got this smile to you where you're like, oh, that's life. Oculus, it is life, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you, wor- worse things happen to better people every day, Sean. You know what I mean? That's there's right. no point sitting around complaining about shit. I've got it made by all accounts. I do music for a living. But yeah, the, the, the leaving the kids is the is the hardest bit. That's by far, by a country man, the hardest bit about tour life is what it does to any any and all relationships. Well, you got to make some money. The kids will know, know when they get it when they get older. You know. Yeah, that's a really terrible note to talk about my tour on. Yes, but I love touring. <laughs> it's awesome. We're gonna have an awesome time. I'm gonna be on top form every yeah. single night. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for jumping on the uh, on the Street Press podcast, boy. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure having you on there, and and uh, thanks for opening up 
uh, about your father as well. It's very important. People hear things like that. You know, I, I lost my father um, very quickly and uh, I dabble with a song or two here and there and that, that helped me get through too. So, Yeah, yeah. I feel for you, brother. Well, here, listen, let's, uh, let's talk further in Sydney. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get a pint. Yeah, I'll have a zero pint. I'm off. I'm off the drink. Trust me, if I was still on the drink, Australia would be a car park by November. I'd have that place leveled. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll get you a zero in Sydney. There you go. Thank you, brother. Look after yourself. Yes, like I said at the top of this episode. Get more Foy Vance in your life. Go and listen to his album that came out 10 years ago, Joy of Nothing, while you're there. Listen to The Wild Swan. He's uh, an incredible lyricist, a great songwriter, and a beautiful singer. Uh, You will not regret it. All right, it's time for this. Yeah, this is the part of the show called Letters. You write it, I read it. Go to thestreetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters, or you can click the link in the show notes. That might be easier for you. This is from Cam. He says, heard that little sneaky shout out to Awake in Motion on last week's podcast. Loved it. Great episode too, dude. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Cam. Thanks for listening. It's, it's, it's always a wonder who's listening, who's out there. Am I talking to anyone? Is anyone there at all? Um, so it's always great. This is what, that's why I love the letters segment. You can find out whether people actually listen or not. Um, but Cam, thank you so much. My old school friend, Cam, um, we used to do a lot of, uh, playing in the music room and, um, and not much else. I think we both basically nearly failed geography because we're in the music room so much or hanging up the back of the class doing anything but work. Hey, if you like today's episode, you like what I'm doing, you can support the podcast that supports the artist for $4 a month. You can sign up at thestreetpresspodcast.com. You'll get some discounts on a few things. You'll get uh, some prizes, some draws, or you at least go in the draw to win some prizes. Um, And look, at the end of the day, it warms your little heart that you're supporting me, maybe. I don't know. One of the guys that does support this podcast, um, Tim Travers, he is, he's the guy that does all of my band's uh, merch, the Ritzy Kids, and me and the boys, we, uh, we love his designs. If you're in a band and you want some merch made, don't look any further than Tim Travers. It sounds like an ad, but do not. I'm seriously, I am backing it because I believe in it and I think his art is is some of the coolest out at the moment. Go and find him on Instagram, Tim underscore Travers. Let him know that I sent you. I don't think that'll um, mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but just say, g'day, hey, Sean sent me here or something. I don't know. Do whatever. Whatever you want, your life. Um, all right. Thanks so much for listening. That's the end of this episode for this week. Next week, we'll have someone else on from the music industry. Until then, ta-da. Ta-da.